Praise the Lord. So good to see you guys. We switched things up this morning. We fed our bodies first. (laughs) But now we're here to feed our spirits, right? All right. Uh, Just a couple of announcements. This Saturday, uh, there is men's prayer and breakfast at 8 a.m. And the ladies will have a meeting uh, following that at 10 a.m. So be sure to mark that your calendars and be here. Also a reminder, the gift cards for the North American missionaries. Um, we're asking $25 um, so that we can buy Walmart or Quick Trip gift cards. If you choose to go ahead and buy a gift card, that's fine. Um, just make sure you get that to Sister Shepherd before we go to Ladies Retreat. Um, and Mother's Memorial final offering will be on May 28th. I believe that's all I have for announcements. And help me say it because he lives. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. God sent his son. I'm way off. Can you? Called him Jesus. He came to love, heal, and forgive. He lived and died to buy my pardon, an empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives, because He face tomorrow because he lives all fear is gone because I know he holds the future 
forevermore he is risen 
He is risen. Come on and celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. Celebrate, Jesus, celebrate. Celebrate, Jesus, celebrate. Celebrate, Jesus, celebrate. Celebrate, Jesus, celebrate. He is risen. He is risen. And He lives forevermore. He is risen. He is risen. Come on and celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you came as a human being. You wrapped yourself in flesh. You sacrificed yourself on Calvary for for us in our place that we might have forgiveness of sins and that one day we have a hope of a resurrection and eternal life with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Folks, we have a hope this morning. And it's not because of anything we've done. It's not because of anything we've earned. It's by the grace and mercy and love of our Creator. And that's it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. I know that this is the day where the world chooses that one day out of the year. Chooses to celebrate this. But I'm thankful that I'm amongst the people... We celebrated this yesterday. Last week. We're going to celebrate His resurrection tomorrow. Amen. Praise God. I celebrate His resurrection every single day. Every day I get up and draw breath, I am thankful for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Praise God. It's just like I don't... I don't need December 25th to be thankful that He wrapped Himself in flesh. Amen. I celebrate that every single day. Praise God. The world has their one day out of the year. I'm more impressed with what they choose to do the other 364 days out of the year. Amen. All of these businesses, He is risen. All these logos I see, you know, all over the place. They're, uh, I'm, I'm thankful you recognize that today. Amen. But uh, I'd be even more thankful if, if that was on there last month. Month from now. I probably ain't, not going to be on there too much longer. Amen. But we're going to talk today about the resurrection since... It's as good a day as any to talk about His resurrection. The importance of it. Why it is so important that He 
raised Himself from the dead. I'm thankful that He suffered on a cross and died for me. I'm thankful He spilt His blood in my place. But folks, that wasn't enough. If that's where it ended, we would be of all people most miserable. Amen. But that's not where the story ends. John 10.10 says this. This is not going to be probably a typical Easter Sunday message. Sorry, not sorry. I trust that the Lord will impart to us everything He wishes to. Amen. In Jesus' name. John 10.10 says, The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. We'll talk for a few minutes on this subject. Choose life. Choose life. Lord Jesus, we're so thankful for You. We're so thankful that You're not on the ground anymore, but You are risen and are alive forevermore. Hallelujah, Jesus. And because You're risen, we have a hope of everlasting life with You. That we will be raised again one day unto life eternal, to live forever with our Creator and our Savior, the lover of our souls, Jesus Christ. What a hope we have in You. Thank You, Jesus. Bless this service, I pray. Minister to the needs represented here. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for standing. You can be seated. <coughs> Amen. This is something we need to celebrate every day, folks. These holidays that, that uh, are on our calendar, you know, we understand, I hope we understand, that this particular day is not the day that Jesus raised Himself from the dead. Okay, I, I hope we all understand that. If, if not, then uh, this is the first thing that God is going to impart to you today. Uh, this is not the day He was raised from the dead. Okay, just like we also understand, hopefully, that December 25th isn't the day He was born into this world as, as the Messiah. Amen. So, so why do we celebrate these days? Well, I hope we also understand that these are originally pagan holidays wrapped up in Christian veneer. Okay? That, that's the truth, folks. You don't have to do a whole lot of research to figure it out. I mean, that's, that's simply the way it is. Now, I'm going I'm to celebrate His resurrection on Easter Sunday because I celebrate it every single day. Okay? I'm not celebrating it. Because it's Easter Sunday. Just like I'm not uh, getting involved with the centaur eggs and uh, the Easter bunny and all that stuff. Uh, you can look at all of that too. And at some point, I have no doubt that uh, I will have a more formal treatise on the subject ready for us. Amen. Uh, but uh, at this point, just accept it. Uh, if you want to do the research... Absolutely, by all means, dig into it, etc., uh, etc. Et <clears throat> but I celebrate this every single day, so I have no problem celebrating it today. Because for me, this is just like every other day. I celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
I am so thankful for what God has done in my life. And folks, let me tell you, if it takes a whole lot to get yourself worked up to the point where you can be thankful, where you can enter into the presence of God and rejoice in your salvation, then I don't know how to proceed from there. I feel sorry for you. I'll pray for you. I, I hope that you get that resolved. But folks, my <laughs> I know what God did in my life. I know where I came from. I know what He's done. I, I, I can see the, the transformation. I can see the miracle working power, the, the resurrection power in my life. The difference that He's made. And I'm so thankful. I recognize that every single day of my life what He has done. This idea of celebrating these events one time a year, I suppose is well and good in as far as it goes. Traditions, you know, we're, we're kind of down on tradition, uh, but I think sometimes traditions are good. Certainly they're not all bad. I mean, they can be good. There are certain traditions, you know, family traditions, uh, getting together on a Sunday afternoon for dinner. I mean, that's not scriptural. I can't find that anywhere in the Bible. But I, don't, I think it's a good thing to get together with your family. Have a meal together, talk. I think that's a good thing. Make that a tradition. Fantastic. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, even though we can't find it in Scripture. Now, where traditions can become a problem is where they start to replace doctrine. Where we take as the commandments of men, doctrines of God. We can't do that. If our traditions contradict Scripture in any way, we've got to throw those out. Absolutely. I mean, there, there ought to be no question. In our society, and this is going to be probably the first tangent I get off on, in our society today, we have a problem with authority. And I'm not talking about submitting to authority. We all submit to an authority. Everyone does. That's not the problem. The problem is, whose authority are we going to recognize in our lives? I have chosen to recognize the authority of Scripture. The authority of God in my life. He is my highest authority. And if anything contradicts that, I, I kick it to the curb. I don't have to debate it. I don't have to pray about it. I don't have to seek counsel about it, although I'm free to. And so are you. But if it contradicts the Word of God, folks, I don't, I don't see a need to proceed any farther there. It's gone. It's out. <clears throat> Let God be true and every man a liar. I believe that. And so, when it comes to tradition, when it comes to these holidays, when it comes to anything, we have got to recognize the authority of the Word of God. Period. Now that's easy to say, and it preaches well. But the problem starts coming in 
when we find something in Scripture we're not necessarily interested in doing right now. When we see something in Scripture that really starts telling me that I'm living wrong. And that's when I start having, well, what is that Scripture really trying to say? What is God really trying to say here? Obviously, it's not I'm wrong. Well, there are certain principles of biblical interpretation I suppose we could get into, but one of them is we ought to take Scripture literally until it's obvious from the context it is not to be taken literally. Amen. If the Bible says something straight up, we need to take it straight up. We don't need to allegorize it. We don't need to spiritualize it. Just take it word for word. Amen. All right. Drawing uh, back to our notes here. John twelve twenty three and 24 says this, And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. So we understand from Scripture, not just from this verse, but I could have listed 20, 30 different verses, that His death was absolutely necessary. All the way back to Genesis, to this moment in in Scripture, we see the spilling of blood is necessary to remit sin. Death is required. The holiness of God demands it. The justice of God demands it. Sin has to be answered. It's going to be answered. But the love and mercy of God, the compassion of God, made a way whereby we didn't have to answer it ourselves. He answered it. Himself. He's the one that died. And because He died, there has been produced much fruit. Jesus came, lived life, hung on a tree, died and was resurrected all for you. All for me. And the reason I bring this up, I know it's Captain Obvious. But the reason I bring it up is, folks, He didn't have to. Jesus was good. Jesus didn't need to take care of any sin. What if Jesus was just looking out for number one? What if God was just interested in what's best for God? That's what we do, right? What's in it for me? How is this going to benefit me? What if God was like that? He was good, folks. He was solid. His sin was all taken care of. Why? (laughs) No sin to take care of. He was already in heaven. He's already perfect. He's already self-existent. He doesn't need anything or anyone. He's sufficient all in Himself. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. 
Thank God He desires us. He wants us. He did all of this for, for a chance at a relationship with us, to restore that relationship. But folks, He doesn't need anyone. He is self-existent. We need Him. He doesn't need us. He wants us. Please don't misunderstand me. He desires us. He doesn't need us. He was fine all by Himself. He didn't have to come down on a cross and die for you, for me. He didn't need to do that. He did it for you. That's the only reason. He did it for me. He didn't need to. He wanted to. For the chance at restoration. The relationship that He desired between you and Him. Between me and Him. But He wasn't looking out for Himself. He was looking out for you and for me. That's all He's ever done, folks. That's all He's ever been about. From the time of creation until this present moment, until He comes to get His church. All He's ever done is look out for you and for me. And what has He got for His trouble? I think that's a good question to answer. I've tried to answer it in my own life. What has the Lord got when He purchased me? Suffering? Torment? Misery? Disappointment? Heartbreak? All the above. Interspersed with probably, I hope, moments of pleasure. Moments of joy. He would do it all over again if given the opportunity. Folks, He knew what He was getting. He knows everything. But He didn't get some gem when He got me. He got work. A lot of work. The Bible says He was cursed. For our sake. I'm not going to get into what cursed means, but look that up. It's not a mamajama kind of thing. Hanafus. It's not that. Deuteronomy 21.23 says, His body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but thou shalt in any wise bury him that day. For he that is hanged is accursed of God. That, the, that thy land be not defiled, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. The Apostle Paul quotes this, or references this in Galatians 3.13, saying this, <clears throat> Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. He became sin for us. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, For He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. So Jesus becomes a curse for us. He becomes sin 
for us who knew no sin. All for us. And if you will allow me to wax pastoral for just a moment, I have trouble getting people here consistently to Tuesday evening prayer. Will that benefit me? What will I get out of it? It's not worth fill in the blank. Not worth my time. Not worth the gas. Not worth the effort. Folks, when I start hearing words like that come out of someone's mouth, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And I know at that moment that that individual has fallen out of love with God. They've stopped loving God. At least they've stopped loving Him first. Yeah, this is going to be a shouter, I tell you that. (laughs) Just so you know, if I can step to the side here and, and just say that I hate saying stuff like this. Um, I heard someone told me here recently, and I think it it hit me kind of hard because I am a pastor. Uh, They said this. They said, I think most of our preaching today is geared toward keeping people saved. And I thought about that for a moment. And... Well, here, here's why I, I really had to chew on that. Uh, I've also heard someone say that, uh, you know, just because you get speaking engagements, that doesn't make you an evangelist. And just because you get elected to a church, that doesn't mean that you're a pastor. And I absolutely agree with that. The election doesn't make someone a pastor. The call of God makes someone a pastor. The anointing of God makes someone whatever the, whatever the ministry is. The reason I'm saying that is because as a God, God gives something, a love, a burden to the pastor of a church, and I I couldn't I couldn't explain it. I couldn't have understood it in, until it happened. The first time I was the pastor of a church, it overwhelmed me. It was absolutely incredible. The, the, and when someone would, would speak ill of, of one of them, it, something rose up inside of me. I'm like, what do you, what, how dare you talk about a child of God like that, the people of God like that. Um, it is, I feel, a, a taste, a, a, a glimpse of how God feels for us. And 
got to tell you, folks, if it's just a glimpse, I mean, it's God really loves you. He really loves you. He is for you. He desires you to draw close to you, to bless you, to minister to your needs. He desires that more than I could possibly explain. But I know we're supposed to reach out to others and, and, and evangelize the cross county, and, and that's absolutely true, and we want to start focusing on that. But, but at the same time, I'm also required to feed the sheep. I'm also required to, to minister to the people of God, to submit myself to each of you and minister to you. And so, when this individual told me this, I'm like, well, that's, that's part of my responsibility, though. That's part of my ministry. That's, that's, part of my, uh, that's part of my joy. That's part of my, uh, my privilege, is to do that. But at the same time, I understood what they were saying. And I think that the reason for that, or the reason this individual feels like this, this was another pastor, is that more and more people, not just in the church, out in the world, but it's coming into the church, unfortunately, is this self-absorption, this idea that I've got to do for me first. And other than the obvious pitfalls of that, the less obvious pitfall is that you start to, it damages you. It hurts you. Rather than taking care of yourself, you're going to end up damaging things. You're going to end up in a worse place than you were before. Rather, what we ought to do is focus outward. Focus on the needs of others. Minister to others. Set your, again, set your legitimate needs aside for a season, temporarily. I'm not saying you don't, I mean, we have responsibilities. I can't stop paying my bills so I can help you pay yours. Uh, unfortunately, I know, I know. <clears throat> that would be nice. <laughs> but if I can help, I should, and vice versa. Um, but I should be looking for opportunities to minister to others and not always focused on, oh, I got this going on again today. Oh, woe is me. Why does this always happen to me? Me, 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 me. How is about <laughs> the world's smallest violin? Yeah, I've played that thing. <clears throat> it's a hideous sound. It's just awful. Rather, I should be following the example of my Savior. His only concern is me. What should my concern be? My concern should be Him, His people, His burdens, His passions, His ministry, His mission. That should be my passion. That should be my focus. 
And the Bible promises me, it promises me explicitly. I don't have to reinterpret things. Word for word. If he'll take care, if I'll take care of his business, he takes care of my business. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added freely unto you. O ye of little faith. If I could just take him at his word. If I could just believe the words that Jesus spoke. I think maybe our best remedy overall is simply getting our eyes off of ourselves and our problems and getting them onto someone else. Anyone else. Find someone. I promise you, you won't have to look too far. There are needs all around us. People out in the world are hurting. They are desperate. But they don't know any better. They're going to keep pursuing what they know to pursue. Self-medicate. Numb the best they can. Distract. Only you have the, the real answer. Philippians 3, 7 and 8 says this, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss, all things loss, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung. Why? That I may win Christ. Paul counted everything in this world dung. Worthless, useless, if he could only win Jesus Christ, if he could only be found in him. I think that's the proper biblical, scriptural attitude to take. Nothing wrong with things in this world in and of themselves, nothing wrong with enjoying uh, the vehicle that God has blessed you with, the house that God has blessed you with. The bank account that God has blessed you with, nothing wrong with any of that. Until it supersedes Jesus in your life, you're good to go. But at the moment it does, you're wrong. You've slipped into idolatry. And you're headed into oblivion. Don't let anything get between you and Jesus Christ. It's not worth it. Nothing is worth losing Jesus over. Jesus died and was resurrected. Okay, the dying was necessary. Leviticus 17.11 says, The life of the flesh is in the blood. I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that maketh an atonement for your soul. Amen. Jesus declares this, demonstrates it all the way back in Genesis. It will take the spilling of blood to remit sin. Hebrews 9.22 says, Almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. Matthew 26.28, Jesus tells us specifically what blood needs to be shed. For this is my blood of the New Testament or the New Covenant, 
which is said for many for the remission of sins. It would take His perfect blood, His sinless blood. Any one of us could have hung on a cross, but we can't even pay for our own sins. How am I going to pay for yours? I don't have enough money to buy my own Whopper. How can I buy us both one? But dying alone was not enough. 1 Corinthians 15, 13 and 14 says, If there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain. And your faith is also vain. Continuing in verse 17, And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead, and become the firstfruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die. Even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Praise God. Acts 2.24 says, Whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that He should be holden of it. He's the God of life, folks. Matthew 22.32 says, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. He's the God of life. He can't possibly be touched by death. If he chooses to lay his life down, he can pick it up any time he wants. Amen. Because he cannot die. He is life incarnate. We can die. He has infused our bodies with the spark, the breath of life. But he's going to take it back one day. At the day appointed. We're not alive in and of ourselves. We're here at the pleasure of Almighty God. And at His pleasure, He'll take us back home. But that's not the way God is. God is self-existent. He is life incarnate. He cannot die. John 1, 4 and 5 says, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. In Him was life. Only in Him is life. Life everlasting. Life eternal. That's why we celebrate every day the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It demonstrates once and for all that He has the absolute power and authority over our last enemy. Death. And He will at that day give us victory over that final enemy. Death. 1 Corinthians 15, beginning at verse 50, says this, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruption must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, 
And this mortal shall have put on immortality. It shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Aren't you looking forward to that day? Where no one will ever die again. They'll never be touched with death, age, disease, infirmity. Any such thing ever again. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, forasmuch as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let's all stand. The resurrection power of Jesus Christ is alive in each and every one of us. Praise God. One day, folks, one day soon, we're going home. Praise God. If you're ready to go home, that's cause to celebrate. That's cause to rejoice. And we ought to do so. We ought to rejoice in the God of our salvation. We have a lot to rejoice over. We have a lot to be thankful for. Praise God. I was dead in my sins, but now I'm alive under righteousness. Thank God. And all the glory and all the honor is His. Praise God. If you're not ready to go home, if you're not ready to meet Jesus in the air, you can be ready today. You can be ready right now. It's God's perfect will for all men everywhere to be ready to see Him. To establish, to reestablish the covenant relationship He desires to have with all people. Thank God for the blood of Jesus, but also for the resurrection of Jesus. Both are required. Both are absolutely necessary. And we celebrate both every single day. Amen. If we can, let's just take a moment. You can stay in your pew, come up, whatever you desire. Let's lift our hands, our hearts, our voices unto the Lord our God. And let's just thank Him.